0: Amen. Amen. Well, it is. Uh, yeah, it's it's really amazing to be back on a Friday night because um, I mean Fridays have always been my favorite service, just at all. You know, regardless of uh, where we're at on church in church on Sundays, even if we're at our home church and we don't have choir, um, it's just always special to be here. Uh, you know, in a room that's just for one, it's just always packed because the congregation can't leave, so that's nice. <laughs> Some churches, you know, it's a hard, hard, time, hard to fill the seats, but uh, no. But it's just, you know, there's it's like family, you know. Every time we come in, and and there's worship, always a heart for worship, and and you know testimonies, and just uh, it's just a it's just a great spirit in the house, you know. And I definitely long for those times, uh, like Pastor Paul said, when we can. Um, really open up the doors again. And, and you know, God has always used Friday nights uh, in a powerful way to to bless people and to reach the community and for um, uh, individuals to come from wherever, you know, whether they're in ministry or just regular people saved or unsaved and just be a part. And that's the, the amazing thing about Teen Challenge is it has the ability to bridge, you know, all of those areas, right? It has the ability to, to, to say, have something to say to the minister who's struggling. It has something to say to the people that don't know God. God uh, has something to say to just the regular Christian. I mean, it's just, uh, it's a powerful thing. And so definitely look forward to uh, what God is going to do uh, in Rockaway because there's definitely a need there. And then also, of course, when we get back and are able to uh, just, um, you know, christen, I guess, the new building and the new facility and see what God does. Amen. Um, uh, also grateful, you know, it's always, no matter what your situation and how difficult, you um, It's it's always the best best policy is always as they say to find the silver lining, right? And uh, you know, there's been a lot of opportunities that have opened up, uh, you know, with all this extra time. One to finish, you know, school uh, and have time for that and uh, and family and all of those things. But also to to dive in and try, you know, hand at new things, you know, like technology. And, And there were times and seasons in my life you know, you get in, we get into these these things where our thing has to be the thing, right? The way that we think it should be is is the only way that it should be, and everybody who doesn't do it the way that we want to is somehow not as righteous or as holy or as, you know, good at whatever as us, and I've definitely been in those seasons before where, because I, I love worship and I, I protect it, you know, it's one of those things that I would do regardless of, of, you know, whether I was ever paid for it or not, you know, be a worship leader of, no matter what my position has been in any situation, it's been The one thing that's been consistently uh, something that I've done, even when I, you know, was a worse, terrible singer than I am now, and I couldn't even hold a tune in a bucket. uh, I could barely play and sing at the same time. It was like God was always had me in that position. But that's how you learn and grow. And there was times where I was like, you know, I'm never going to get into all of that, you know, using technology and computers and sounds, it's just too much. It's going to take my, you know, it's going to take my attention away. I'm not going to be able to do what God has called me to do. But the reality is, you know, when, you know, then God leads you into a season where it's just like, well, maybe you have to now. (laughs) So what are you going to do about that now, human? Are you going to, you know, (laughs) limit what I can do through you through something? Or are you going to trust, you know? And it's, and it's awesome to be able to, uh, to learn and to grow. Uh, You know, I'm, I'm, I'm 38 uh, which at some times in my life would have said, like, man, 38 is old. I'm like I'm almost to the end of my life. But then now I'm, I'm like, man, thank God I'm only 38, you know. <laughs> it's like I still feel like there's time left. and uh, so. But to be able to continue to learn and to grow and, and um, you know, just – um, just keep moving forward is, is a powerful thing, and I, and I hope that, uh, you know, that's one thing that you guys catch from, from being here is, is just keep going, you know, Team Challenge is not the end, uh, going through the studies, you know, thank God the 16 books is not the end of your growth and your learning uh, about the Word and about being uh, a, a sober Christian and all of those things, it, it's something that continues, and, and you'll always get out as, as much as you choose to, to, to have. You know, it's a a choice, and so, uh, but I thank God for that, and um, if you wanted to, you can open up your Bibles to Psalm chapter 1. Haven't been able to be real connected to, you know, all of the the various words that have been happening the last few weeks, but I know that that, uh, the guys that have spoken uh, in-house have done an an excellent job and uh, brought some really great words, and um, the one thing about words from in-house is that... um, God is always able to to speak, you know, directly to a house uh, by speaking to those who are who are in it. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and he can always speak through anybody, but it's just there's always when people are in the house and they've got a, you know, God's got like a pulse, you know, of what's going on. Uh, he, can, he can speak right to our heart. so I'm thankful for that. So hopefully uh, this is not redundancy, you know, things that you've heard. Uh, but it's a very, very well-known psalm, and we're going to get there in a second. Um, but I want to talk to you about uh, uh, just kind of a, an interesting topic uh, tonight. Um, if I were to ask you what is the most um, uh, talked about or mentioned living thing in the Bible other than people, what would you say? Water is not living, I hope. <laughs> Maybe in some places it is. There's enough crazy living things in there. Huh? Animals? Plants? On the, on the right track? Trees, Trees, Trees. right. The most mentioned living thing in the Bible, other than people, are trees. And, uh, you know, it's, um, it's, it's one of those things that you, you probably have read the Bible before and noticed. And now that you think about it, if I were to say, what are some trees like, that you have heard in reading different Bible passages? What are some of the trees that you've, you've heard of in the Bible? Cedar, oak, sycamore, fig trees. Willows, yeah, all kinds of trees. I mean, you could probably just about every tree that there is. It seems like, uh, yeah, there's there's a name for, it. yeah, mustard trees. And then there's there's other kinds of trees, like in the garden, there's the tree. Of good and evil, you know the knowledge of good and evil, the tree of life, uh, and all those sorts of things. Even the cross that Jesus died on was called a tree, you know, in some places. And and you know the Bible all throughout, though, if you really start re- noticing that when you when you but when you really break it down, there's trees, then there's branches, then there's vines, and then you have seed, and you have bushes, and you have leaves, and you have fruit. Uh, there's literally, and you have roots. You know, there's literally when you start breaking it down, there's like. A lot of stuff about trees. Um, And, uh, you know, there's a lot to be said about that. Um, Obviously, you know, trees are mentioned in association with a lot of strategic moments. Uh, The creation story, the garden, the fall, covenants, the promised land, the temple, messianic imagery, parables, the death of Jesus, the work of the spirit, new creation, and all throughout different biblical narratives. The Psalms and the Proverbs uh, talk all about trees, um, as well as prophecies in the book of Isaiah, God constantly refers to, you know, when he does a work, you know, and, and he, like the cedars of Lebanon or, you know, and I will plant such and such trees. And he refers to the people of Israel as a vine or as a tree or as a plant or as a bush or a seed or whatever the case may be. And then even down to Jesus, you know, the seed of the woman, all the way back to Genesis. Um, but we see that even, obviously, in the biblical story. Um, there is actually a cool sort of bookend in, in the entire Bible that at the beginning of, of the, the story of the Bible, you have in Genesis, the tree is planted. And then people are separated from it as their punishment. And then in the book of Revelation, the tree is you know, brought back and people are, are reunited to it. It talks about the tree that's in the center of the garden, you know, by the river and, and so on and so forth. Um, and so even the whole biblical narrative is, is like bookended with this tree uh, and what it means. And then even in the creation story, uh, the, the, the seven days, the six days are all very poetic and, and meant to mirror each other, one through three and then three through six and in uh, in day three, it says that that God created uh, land, and then He caused the trees to emerge from it. Right? He created all things, and so chapter or day one and day two, there was one act. He created light. He created water, or whatever the case may be. And then day three created land, and then caused the trees to emerge. That was like almost two acts. And then day five, there were four. There was one. Day five, there was one. And then day six, uh, it says that God created all living things, and then caused man to emerge from it or to raise up from it. And so even in the creation narrative, there's it's almost like the Bible is intentional to help us to see very from the beginning that there's something that God wants us to see and relate to between trees in the Bible. Uh, Both how we are like them, but also how we use them and what we kind of gain from them and and the way that we interact, you know, with these trees. It's clear that we're, we're supposed to kind of see ourselves in this light. Um, and what's interesting, when I began to think about it even more, and, and I was talking to, to Paul about this on the on in the way in the car this morning, is when you when you start breaking down. And at some point, I would love to do a little more in-depth study. I know uh, the Bible Project has a great podcast and some stuff on trees, uh, but I would love to do a study even more because it seems like that that trees even have like different giftings and identities, uh, even in Scripture, just like people do. Um, you know, we have. Uh, Both trees and people have propensities for life and or death. You know, in the garden, the tree of life, the tree of good and evil, we have propensity for blessing or curse Uh, curses trees that are cursed and trees that are blessed for either good fruit or bad fruit and we know that trees that bear good fruit are pruned so they can bear even more and the bad ones are 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 destroyed and we know the people that we, we bear good fruit we are in a sense pruned and then when not we are uh destroyed and and both trees and people carry both seed for life because in a tree, it sort of reproduces itself, right? It grows and it creates fruit. The fruit falls to the ground. The fruit has seed in it. When the fruit grows to the ground, it gets planted and then it begins to grow life again. And so it's it's that idea of seed for life, but then all fruit for sustaining power or for nourishment. And people are very much the same. We have seed for life in us, both physically, but then also spiritually. We have this seed for life in us. And then we are intended to have this fruit, both physically in the way that we live and we act and we serve and we love one another, but then also spiritually from the same way, the way that we are able to lift up and encourage and to build spiritual principles in one another. And then the various giftings, because if you notice, and maybe when you, if you guys have a lot of time on your hands, I don't know that if you do right now. But if you happen to have a lot of time on your hands, if you could go through the Bible for me and start writing down each and every one of the trees and then how it's mentioned. All right. So you can help me do this study. Right. But I notice if you go through it and like cedars, cedars are often mentioned like for like strength. Right. They're often talked about as 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 big and and large. You know, the cedars of Lebanon, they're used to build the temple and they're used to build things and, and and things that are going on. There's the fig tree. The fig tree is often known for It's fruit, right? We know that there's fruit on the fig tree in the Old Testament. Jesus, when he comes and and he does this sort of um, this sort of uh, parable type thing with the fig tree, with the backdrop of the temple, he curses the fig tree because it doesn't have any fruit and he's really paralleling what's going on in the temple. But then you have the oak tree, which is often in association with wisdom and protection sort of ancient type figure, the olive tree and anointing. And then there's the juniper, the box and the cypress that I've noticed in, uh, specifically in Isaiah, I think it was, that are associated with worship. Right, And so these trees, when God establishes his glory, and he says, I will plant, and he, and he talks about these certain types of trees, but why would you plant a juniper, a cypress, or a tree when you're establishing your glory, but not a cedar tree, right? Because cedar trees have their purpose, and they have their identity, and, these, and they're things that they've been created for, and I think that the same could be said of each and every one of us, that we've been created and gifted uniquely, that God could use us in different ways, and the power both of our own lives and us collectively is that we each use what God has gifted us in harmony with one another so that God could work through us, right? And so if God wants to establish his worship or establish his glory, he might use one type of person or one person with one kind of gifting. And if he wants to build and and, and begin to, to push forward and advance the kingdom, he might use this type of a person. And I would challenge you because there's, and I value the heart of, of people that, that hunger after God, but I think that there's this trend in Christianity right now that kind of pushes everybody to be the same thing you know like everybody has to be doing miracles and prophesying and rolling around on the floor and doing all this stuff and like all that is fine and dandy but then who's going to do the other things right we're supposed to fit together and we get out of balance when we don't besides the point it's not what I'm talking about there's also almond trees and myrtle trees and acacia trees and juniper and box and poplar and fir and anyways enough about trees right so Another thing that's interesting as it relates to us is that in the Bible, there's many things that, God's, that trees are signs of and that, God, that trees are used for, like I mentioned. One of the most powerful things that trees are a sign of is God's presence. And You don't have to turn there, but in Isaiah chapter 60, verse 13, this is what God says through Isaiah, a guy that talks about trees a lot. He says, the glory of Lebanon will come to you the juniper, the box tree, and the cypress tree together to beautify the place of my sanctuary, and I shall make the place of my feet glorious. Right? So it's almost as if God is saying, okay, I'm going to use what it is that you know and maybe, I don't know what a juniper tree looks like. I guess I could look one up, uh, or a box tree, for that matter. I've never even heard of a box tree. doesn't sound very beautiful to me. But maybe, you know, God is using imagery and things that we know to say, you know what, I want to beautify the temple, and how can I get you to understand what that looks like? Well, I'm going to, this is how, I'm going to explain it in terms that you understand. I'm going to use the juniper, the box, and the cypress, because you know that the beauty that these things contain, and when you see them planted, and when you see them growing, there's, there's something powerful and glorious and beautiful, you know. Um, at 444, where we used to be, and then even at our house now, you um when spring comes around, at our house, there's a white tree. I don't know if it's a dogwood or, or something like that, but for a couple of weeks, it blooms these beautiful white flowers, right? And so it's almost like this signifying, when you see the tree with the white flowers bloom, and then there's one across the road that has pink flowers, and we had a, several of them over at, at 444 that had these pink flowers that would bloom the same time every year, about March, April, and when, and, but it was like beauty has come. We're heading out of the darkness. We're heading... We're heading out of the time where we're stuck inside and and there's less light and now we're heading into this beautiful time. It's like it signifies the beauty all around us, right? And it brings life. There's something about walking outside and seeing now green leaves growing on the trees instead of dead leaves or no leaves that it's like like you begin to inhale like life, right? And energy and and the grass begins to grow and then the pollen begins to fall and you begin to sneeze and hate your life again. But at least for a few days you begin to know it's like man there's something great going on right there's this presence that's happening spring has come new life is here and I think that's what God is trying to help us to to envision when he says I'm going to establish my presence and you're going to see it you're going to know it it's going to be everywhere and you're going to be able to behold uh, behold it and and then when I began to think about that I began to 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 ask myself man how amazing be if both in my life and in the world around me, if God was able to use me as a sign of his presence, right? Like just like the trees, when they, when a certain tree is planted and the, in the beauties of the flowers and you begin to notice, what if when I walked in the room, people began to realize, man, the presence of God is here not because i'm so amazing not because you know any anything great about me but just because this is where the presence of god dwells and isn't that kind of the point of of all of this that god sent his holy spirit to dwell inside of us that we could all contain the presence of god that when we walk into a place that we now are this sort of proverbial place where heaven meets earth and god is able to do powerful things in those places why he has a vehicle, he has a conduit, he has, he has a, 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 something there, a, a point established where he can break through, right? And, and that's really what the Holy Spirit was all about, that we would no longer just see it, but that we would be brought into it. Another one of the powerful signs uh, that trees are is a sign of God's blessing, right? Isaiah 41, 19, God says, I will put the cedar in the wilderness, right the cedar's that 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 idea of strength of power of building like right and he says i'm going to put it in the wilderness right the wilderness is the place of death is the place of of brokenness is the place of wandering is the place of confusion in the bible the wilderness is not like oh hey we're going to go on a nature walk it's going to be beautiful we're going to bird watch right the wilderness is not that type of wilderness the wilderness is the place on the other side of the mountain where it's cold where nothing grows where there's nothing to eat where nothing good happens where people go when they're cast out and they're they're in odds with god right you see it more of a, as a desolate place. God says, that's the place that I'm going to put cedars. The acacia and the myrtle and the olive tree. I will place the juniper in the desert together with the box tree and the cypress. Remember, we just read that one in Isaiah chapter 60, because there's something that God wants to do, a beauty and a glory that God wants to establish in the desert. He says, that they may see and recognize and consider and gain insight as well. That the hand of the Lord has done this and the Holy One of Israel has created it right, is a sign of blessing. Whenever you start to see things that just don't make sense in the natural, like, well, how could in the wilderness and in the desert place like that be happening, right? How could in this place on 416 Clinton Avenue, the place where there's a bunch of broken, crazy drug addicts, could the presence of God be going and singing and joy and life be coming from that place? It just doesn't seem to make sense, right? But but God does that so that we can see and understand and know that his presence, that he has done this, that he has blessed that place, that it's not limited to the brokenness, that it's not limited to the desolate things, that it's not limited to the disconnection with God, but that the blessing of the Lord is there, that the opportunity for life is there because of what God has done. And I had to ask myself a similar question. How amazing would it be if not just in my own life, but in the world around me, God could use me as a sign of his blessing? right i'm so tired of of hearing uh, you know all of this this downer christian talk and god's doing this and angry at this and mad at this i'm like but what about god bringing life to the desert Right? This world that we know is, is the wilderness, really, for, for, for the kingdom of God. It's, it's the place where we're all walking, where apart from the work of what God is doing, there is nothing godly to be found in this place. That's the, the, the definition of wilderness in the scripture. And God wants to infuse his power and his presence into people so that when we walk into places, that we're walking into places with the blessing of God, not for ourselves, not that we can just all soak it up and be awesome and be rich and have everything that we have and throw parties and say "Woo, we are blessed by God but no so that God can bless us in such a way that it fills us just to the point where that it's enough and that it overflows into the lives of others you know it's in Proverbs chapter like towards the end 30 maybe or 31 where um oh now I forget his name Uh, But he prays the prayer like, Lord, just don't like don't bless me too much, kind of like give me just enough riches that I, I can sustain my life. But I don't forget about you. Right. And and like that's the way that we should live. But I think that's the way that God blesses. Right. When God is truly blessing us. He, there's like this meter, like there's this this point where it's just enough. Now, there are times where we can, you know, we can push it past that and we can probably get more than what we're after. But I think that in each and every one of us, God has this place that when we get blessed to this certain point, that God intends that it just pour out and pour out and pour out, just like the widow's oil that just never stopped. She began, kept pouring and kept pouring and it didn't stop. Because here's the reality. Those that have accumulated so much stuff, on some level, they're holding it, you know, might be holding it off, but it's as we continue to pour, right? Keep pouring, keep pouring, keep pouring. And the blessing is that it doesn't run out, not that it is so much. It's that it never stops. But That's the whole point of this thing, right? That as we go places that people are like, yes, the Christians are here. Finally, there's new life. Finally, there's blessing. Because that's what God said through Abraham. I will make you the father of many nations. And through you, I will bless the nations, right? Through you. That was their calling the people of God. But it wasn't until Jesus till that was fulfilled. Jesus stepped into the place of Israel and became Israel that the nations could be blessed. Okay, so are we cool with that, all right, so how do we do this, right? How does this happen? How do we become a, a, a sign of God's presence and a sign of God's blessing? How do, we, how do we operate in our giftings, and how do we walk according to the way that God has called us, like the trees that we see um, in Scripture? And there's so much more uh, other things that we can get into, but I really felt this was the direction to go with it tonight. So Psalm chapter 1, we're going to look at this for a couple minutes, uh, and then we're going to be done. Psalm chapter 1 from the, the New Living Translation, um, and uh, so you could follow along. I'm just going to read all the way through it. It's not too long, and then uh, and we'll bring out a couple of points and then pray. It says, oh, the joys, your versions so might say blessed are those or happy are those. Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with the mockers. But they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, see, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither and they prosper in all they do. But not the wicked. They are like worthless chaff scattered by the wind. They will be condemned at the time of judgment. Sinners will have no place among the godly. For the Lord watches over the path of the godly, but the path of the wicked leads to destruction. All right, here's just a couple of, of, of things that I notice about this. Um, I, again, there's so many different things that could be said about this uh, and more. Uh, but these are a couple of things that I, that I really felt in my heart to bring out uh, tonight. And, uh, and so you can do with that what you like. And if you want to study more of it, there's endless amount of books and resources that you can do that. The first thing... When we talk about how do we, how do we step into this place of, you know, it all sounds great to, to step into our place, to be the sign of God's presence and blessing and experience all those sorts of things. But the first thing that, that, we, that we see in this, that, that, that the way that we get there is that we have to have the right source, right? So if we're using, continuing to use the analogy of the tree, how do you know a healthy tree well by its fruit all a lot of things together but a tree is most healthy when it has the deepest roots right when it has when it's connected to a source and that's why the Bible is specific to say when it's like trees planted along a riverbank or along streams of water, because it's, it's those trees that have those root systems that are connected to such a source that are able to be sustained the longest, right? In dry places, you don't really see trees that have fruit for long periods of time because there's just not enough water. There isn't enough source to sustain them. But the Bible says that if you're connected to the right source, you know, wherever, if you're planted in the right place, if you're being fed from the right river, then you will be able to be successful. Then you will be a sign of God's presence and a sign of God's blessing. And, and right from here, we see these parallels of, of God's wisdom or the world's wisdom. Because it says that happy are those or oh, the joys or blessed are those who do not take, follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with the mockers. Right. That's not their source. Listening to the world and following its, its desires and following its pleasures and following its directions is not the way that you are connected to a source. It's, it's being connected to the ways and the promises and the, the teachings of God. And we look at this and say, meditate on the law day and night. Man, that sounds like the worst thing in the world to do, right? Well, you mean, well number one, you either go back to like Leviticus and you mean I got to meditate on Leviticus like the law all the time? Or, you know, we know the law in a different way because of our interactions with the law and there's nothing about that word that sounds good to us. And so it's like it's, it loses a little bit of flavor when we read it in here, but in, in, in from an Old Testament perspective, that word law has little to do with what we understand when we think about the word law because the, the word law, the way they use it, has more in line with teachings or, or the wisdom of. right And you can look in, in Proverbs chapter 1 two Three and all that it talks about wisdom, those are parallel chapters kind of to Psalm chapter one as Psalm chapter one is kind of a, a parallel to the beginning of, of the Bible in Genesis and, and so on and so forth. This Psalm is actually a setup for the entire book of Psalms and it helps you to understand, well, as you make your way through this, this is how it's going to have power for you. This is how it's going to work out for you that if you meditate upon it and if you use this book of prayer and if you use its principles, then there's going to be power in your life. But if you connect to God's wisdom and God's source and you come to him as, and you dig your, deep, your roots deep within him, then you will have sustaining power. We have this idea again of the good tree or the bad tree that you see all throughout Scripture. Will you you eat from the fruit of the good tree or will you take from the fruit of the bad tree, so to speak? Will you choose life or will you choose death? Will you choose blessing or will you choose curse? Those are two contrasts that you cannot get away from in Scripture at all. It always comes down to a choice of which one will you choose to be sustained from. What will be your source? And that was the sin of, of, of scripture is that man chose to live by another source other than God. The second thing that we have to decide is what is our identity? What are we going to be or who are we going to be joined with? And this is not a message telling you that, well, when you go home, you got to stop being friends with anybody and everybody that you ever knew, unless that's something that you have to do. If that's something that you have to do, then you have to do it because your success in life and your sobriety and being clean and being whole is the most important thing that you possess when you walk away from this place. And so your goal should not be to put yourself in any situation with anybody or thing to take that from you, because once it's taken from you, you're not going to get it back back until you get back to a place of brokenness and restoration, which you might be, have to be sleeping on the top bunk again for six months to get back to that place because you're back here again. So don't let anybody take it from you when you leave here. Hold on to that thing. But it, the question is, who are you going to be joined with, the wicked or with the godly? In other words, are you going to be connected to God's ecosystem? Right, if we're thinking about the tree, what's the life of the tree? It's connected in the ecosystem. It it takes life from from everything around it as the birds fly from tree to tree and the the bees and they they touch plants and they rub them with other plants and they pollinate and they move things around and squirrels eat nuts off of one tree and they go plant them somewhere else and then those trees, it's all within the ecosystem that you find life, but the Bible says there's two ecosystems that you can choose from. You can be connected to God's ecosystem where you have the nuts and the squirrels all around you which we can identify those people in this very room, but that's besides the point. He says, are you going to be in God's ecosystem where everything around you works for your good? Are you going to choose God's ecosystem where everything has been finely tuned for your benefit and for your blessing and for your prospering? Or, or are you going to reject that ecosystem to put yourself in an ecosystem that you don't belong in, that, that has nothing for you but to devour you? Because if you look at what the Bible says in Psalm chapter one, and then you go over to Proverbs chapter one, the second half of it, I think it talks about this. He says, you know, listen to my my advice, but don't listen when the sinners try to call you out and they want to do this and this and they want to kill and destroy, right? Because it's a parallel passage. It's meant to be the exact same thing because it's trying to pound into our heads this idea of what are you going to be connected to? What's going to be your identity? And the reality is, is until you choose an identity, then you're going to constantly be driven by fantasy because you, what you have to do then is you're constantly making up stories in your head right? You're constantly listening to what other people have to say and determining your value or who you are or whatever based upon what other people have to say. You're constantly deciding the way that life works inside your own head without any evidence at all. And you're, you're holding yourself back from things that you shouldn't be holding yourself back from because you've, you've made people out to be your enemy that haven't even given two thoughts about you in the last 10 years and so on and so forth. And, you're, and you're, you've built up all of these things and all of these situations and all of these daydreams that, that, that carry you along. But it's because you haven't chosen and locked yourself into an identity because it's identity that makes everything go around. And that's the purpose even of this place. You're not here to just go through a rehab or to get off drugs. You're here to learn a new identity. And if you go into the mental health studies and the mental health field, there's two ways, two perspectives that you can use to break habits and build habits in your life. You can be outcome driven or you can be identity driven. And the studies show that when you're outcome driven to say, well, I, just, I hope at some point I want to lose 30 pounds, then it's, it's very less likely that you actually get there. But if you decide from the beginning that I'm a healthy person. Now, the, the, just the fact of changing your identity to say that I'm a healthy person, now you begin to experience the benefits of being a healthy person that lead you more often than not to reaching your designated outcome. And there are studies and stuff that show this, and, and one of the most powerful ones is they used a group of people that were battling alcoholism, and they, they told these individuals to say, okay, whenever you go to places and people offer you a drink, tell them, I can't. I can't drink, you know, because blah, blah, blah. And they told this group of people to say, when you go to a place and they offer you a drink, tell people that I don't, I don't drink. Just two different words, can't, don't, both, you know, is it contraction? Is that what, the apostrophe, the apostrophe T, whatever it is. Uh, (laughs) I'm smart, but I'm not that, not that smart. Um, Just two different words, right? But they found at the end of this study that the numbers were significantly higher, like way higher the percentages of people that were able to sustain their sobriety by using the word don't instead of can't. Because can't sort of leaves the door open. I can't do that because, you know, my wife's going to get mad at me. Because we always throw in that thing. But when it's I don't, then now it, it's not even an option anymore. And then the last one is purpose. What do we do with our lives? What we find that is in scripture, the powerful thing about purpose is that um, the people who are like trees and they're planted by water, that their purpose is fulfilled. Right? They don't have to fight against it. They don't have to, nothing can stop it from happening, the Bible says. It says that it is going to happen. Why? Because you're planted stream, by, by streams of living water, right? You're within the ecosystem that's, that's built for you to sustain you and to lift you up and to empower you. They prosper, right? There's nothing that can keep it from succeeding. There's Even though difficult times come, it doesn't discourage it because the ecosystem sustains one another and it stays alive and our purpose is sustained. We live in it. We don't live for it, right? It's just that we find ourselves in the blessing of God because our purpose is in him. It's not in all of these other things. And so the question that we have to ask ourselves is, what is our source? You know, what is our identity? You know, and then the fruit of that is, 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 what, what is what are those things and what does our life tell us about our purpose? Is it being sustained? Is it being fulfilled no matter what? Am I being prospered in everything that I do? And these are things that the Bible tells us over and over again are signs of those that are blessed by God, that are walking with God, that he is with them and there's nothing that can happen. So if we want to be a sign of God's presence, then we plant ourselves and we make God our source. And we, 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 we make God and living within his ecosystem our identity. And I'm not letting other things in. You know, I was watching a show, and I'm going to finish here in just a second. This is the last thing I'm going to say. I was watching a show last night. I love on TV, they have these, they, uh, like, monster fish shows or whatever, where a guy goes fishing in different places of the world to find, and I've talked about them before, to find, like, the biggest kind of fish or whatever. And so this guy was up, and he was trying to find, I guess, the numbers of, of king salmon have dwindled whenever the t- shooting of the show was. And, and like, like, way low, you know, the king salmon just aren't coming up into the rivers anymore. And so he was doing these studies and trying to find them and, and so on and so forth. And the numbers were really low. And they, were, they even made it to where you couldn't fish for them, right? And this party was in Alaska. And uh, so he connected with this guy, this, you know, ecosystem guy, this guy that did nature stuff and studied the land and all that stuff. And the guy said, yeah, I'm going to tell you why. And he took him to one of the rivers where they would always be, you know, coming up in huge numbers, one of the main rivers. And he took the guy in. And the guy who was studying the rivers and stuff put out nets, Right. And he said, I'm going to show you something. He said, you see all these nets? And he's like, yeah. He's like, is it the nets? Like people fishing? He's like, no, no, no. He's like, come with me. And so they walked over and they began to pull in the nets. And when they began to pull in the nets, they began to pull in these big, uh, just one after another, one after another northern pike. Right. If you know anything about northern pike, number one, they're not natural to those habitats in, in Alaska they've been brought in. And then number two, they're extremely aggressive fish. He said there's been pike that he's pulled out of because when he finds dead ones, he cuts them open to see what they're eating, to see if they are in fact eating the salmon. And they were. He said he's seen as many as 80 like small salmon in the belly of a large northern pike. So he says, what has happened is fishermen through the, through the ages, there's been people that have brought these fish in because people are anglers. They introduce these other fish and these other species because they're looking for a bigger catch and an exciting time, right? If there's bigger and better fish here, then I come up fishing then and you catch these huge, I mean, pike get to be like 10 feet long or whatever, six feet long or whatever it is, a lot bigger even than a king salmon. And so they would have these fish. And so what am I trying to say? Is that when you introduce things into an ecosystem that doesn't belong there, it can destroy the blessing that you were supposed to have in its originality, right? And so that's what am I trying to say is that when God is establishes you in this place, he's building you like a tree. He's taking you from a place of, of desert, of wasteland, of, of, of wilderness, of And what he said in your life, you are just like the wilderness in the Bible. You you embody that in your life when God pulls you from that place of drugs and and addiction and brokenness. And he says, I'm going to plant the cedar. I'm going to plant the juniper. I'm going to plant the acacia tree and all of those sorts of things in your life so that that you will know and see that the blessing and the glory of the Lord is there. And others will know and they'll see it. And he plants you in a new ecosystem that's meant to sustain you and that's meant to build you up and that's meant to, to, to bless you. So don't introduce something foreign into the ecosystem that God has built for you. Because you have the choice which one is going to sustain you, which one is going to be your identity, and your entire purpose. And the blessing of the Lord is going to depend upon it. So we're gonna, I'm just going to pray uh, with you tonight. Maybe we'll close with a chorus uh, and see how many more people we can make angry tonight. Uh, you know, But that's, that's, that's the, the great thing about it is, uh, you know, I mean, like, what are you going to say? We're... In here, we're in here, in here worshiping the Lord, and um, um, and just take a couple moments to just respond, and then and then we're gonna to walk out of here, uh, out of this room, and uh, and just you know enjoy enjoy the Lord, uh, but that's my my challenge to you tonight is just to think through those things when you think through your life. Uh, and you think through your time here, you know, maybe God has established things and you know that God has has planted new things and he's begun to establish you. But maybe a root has gone wild. Right. Maybe a root has has begun to, to dig towards a different source. Right. Maybe your leaves aren't quite bending toward the light anymore, but they're bending away from the light. You know, those are things plants do when they're looking for food and hunger. They, they bend towards the light. Right. There's just different signs in your life and God just wants to use this time to to realign, to replant, to resustain, to to re-empower you to both complete this journey but also to set you up for the next one because each season doesn't begin when you get to the new place. Right. Your next season of your life doesn't begin when you walk out the doors. The next season of your life begins at the end of this one, meaning, as I always always say, that that cliche statement, the way that you leave one season is the way you enter the next. That's because it began like four months earlier, your new season. And so that's why it's important to finish strong. And that's why it's important to get everything that you can and not quit early, because it doesn't start just because you walk out the door. It already started. And so if you break your your commitment, if you walk out and you, you do something crazy, it's because it already happened. That's why they say relapse doesn't happen when you pick up the drug. It happened months ago when you started doing things that began to introduce, you know, habits and patterns and thinkings and thoughts and process in your life that didn't belong. And so, God, tonight, my one prayer, Lord, is that you would speak to us. Lord, that you would bring us back to you, uh, Lord, that if we, are, if we are in any way, Lord, far from you, uh, Lord, that if any way, God, we have uh, begun to, to look to different sources, Lord, if we have lost our identity tonight, Lord, I pray that you would, uh, by the power of your spirit, just bring us back in, Lord. Lord, you're not trying to punish, Lord. None of us are in this place because you're punishing us, Lord. Every one of us are in this place, Lord, because we're blessed. Every one of us in, are in this place, Lord, because you thought of us. Every one of us are in this place, Lord, because you have life for us, because you have goodness for us, Lord, because, because you love us and you care for us and because you have showered us and poured just an immeasurable amount of grace upon us in this place tonight. You have healing for us, Lord, and you have so many good things for us, Lord. You don't provide good things for people that you punish. You provide good things for people that you love and you care for and that you're blessing, Lord. And so I pray that you would help us to understand that we are being blessed in this place, Lord. I pray that you would help us to walk in an identity of being blessed, O oh Lord. And I pray that nothing, Lord, could get in the way of those truths, Lord, as we set our mind to them tonight. Lord, I just thank you for your love for this house, Lord, and uh, everything that you, you want to do in and through us, Lord. Uh, God, lift up, encourage and empower tonight, we pray.